Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Hi, I'm Willie King, and this is the bigger picture. Stocks fell Friday as investors reacted to a signal from the Federal Reserve that it intended to keep interest rates higher for longer. The Dow Jones Industrial Average slid 0.3% to 33,900 points. The S&P 500 was lower by 0.2% to 4,300 points. And the Nasdaq Composite dropped 0.1% to 13,200 points. Both the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq have dropped 2.9% and 3.6% last week, respectively. This marked the third straight negative week and worst weekly performance since March. Bond yields with the 10-year Treasury yield hit its highest level since 2007. Meanwhile, Singapore became the biggest investor in Japan's real estate sector this year, driven by a growing demand in logistics and hospitality industries. Joining us on the line as we unpack all of this is Kelvin Wong, Senior Market Analyst of Oenda. Hey, good morning, Kelvin. How are you? Hey, good morning to you. Great, I'm great. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's get on to talking about interest rates. I mean, so much has sure. happened from the central banks last week. Uh, we have bond yields surged you know, after the central banks. Uh, US central bank forecast one more rate hike for 2023. And with the 10-year treasury yield hit its highest level since 2007. I mean, I just want to get your views here, Kelvin. Where do you think long-term rates are going here? Okay, if you look at uh, using the 10-year US Treasury as a benchmark, potentially what we could see is a persistent uh, medium-term uptrend right now that is evolving in the US 10-year Treasury yield. So potentially, we could actually start to see uh, hitting uh, 4.9% in the midterm. A break above this level potentially takes us to a key persistent level at 5.2%. So this uh, upward push in the US 10-year Treasury yield has been primarily driven by two factors. One is uh, kind of the indirectly related is to oil prices, which is much more uh, related to the supply side of the story. So what we could see over here is that very interestingly, the recent push-up in oil price has uh, more or less been uh, in sync with this push-up in inflationary expectation. So that is a market-based inflationary expectation derived from the break-even inflation rates, that means uh, from the Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. So this 10-year and 5-year uh, break-even inflation rate has been uh, inching out much higher to uh, 2.37% for the 10-year and the 5-year break-even at 2.29%. So that actually uh, kind of a put into a perspective that the Fed itself may be a bit of a challenge facing uh, to push uh, to actually push down uh, inflation to that desired two percent rate. If this uh, break-even inflation rate remains to be sticky at this level, and with this, you know, you have um, many fund managers or bond bond managers looking at mm. the, the sweet spot. You know, they are looking in the short data. Yes, notes, you know, like what you said, uh, because this actually you know might actually perform well in the event that the Fed pivots to rate cuts. Uh, do you agree with this? You know, with the strategy, uh, with the managers are going to. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I kind of partially agree with them, uh, especially if we're talking about uh, short-dated, uh, we call it a fixed income, that are more or less uh, have a higher credit rating, especially uh, treasury uh, sovereign uh, fixed income, rather than uh, corporate fixed income, uh, because there's actually a risk that with a higher cost of funding, there could be actually higher chances of a credit derating for those companies that have uh, more debt, uh, that means IE, 
uh, having a difficult time of actually uh, paying off their liabilities, uh, given that there's also a possibility of a risk of a, uh, we call it credit crunch, that could actually mm. uh, reduce a potential cost of, or I'll say increase the cost of doing business. So yes, for sure, uh, shorter term fixed income might be a sweet spot, number one, i.e. it also has a lower duration risk. And also, there could be a point that where there's much more indication that is kind of a, I would say put away, there's an adverse uh, negative shock to the economy where they could actually potentially increase the odds of a, uh, uh, we call it a, a first rate, interest rate cut for the Fed. So uh, I would say that having a shorter term duration uh, fixing income portfolio is actually easier for these managers to switch out for a longer term uh, fixed income when there is a better valuation. Mm, let's move on from US rates to mm. in Asia. Last week, we yes. saw the Bank of Japan left rates unchanged and mm. the BOJ also said that it would maintain short-term interest rates at a negative 0.1%. So it seems like um, last Friday, BOJ seems to have a pushback to its more recent hawkish bets with an emphasis on patience in its policy normalization. So this was the key takeaway. Now, I'd just like to just ask, um, you know, sure. pick your brains on, you know, what do you think is the would be the impact going forward for the Japanese yen. Okay, so if you look at for sure, the what's interesting over here is that there's a lot of uh, mixed messages coming out from the BOJ side of the story first. So firstly, uh, even prior to last Friday's uh, BOJ monetary policy meeting, uh, BOJ Governor Yuda himself during the, uh, he actually mentioned himself during a couple of weeks before, uh, at the start of this, I think about two weeks ago, during a local press, stating that he's uh, looking for quality exiting uh, BOJ Alpha Dovish policy, and also during part of time, he also mentioned that uh, there's actually inflation in Japan right now is rather sticky. And what he actually tried to pull back over here is that I think I believe that he do not want to actually give uh, speculators a kind of a direct clearance that BOJ is actually uh, on the path of uh, normalizing their negative interest rate policy. So. Firstly, is to actually, number one, uh, to actually give a surprise to the speculators. Then secondly, over here is if you look at the current situation right now in Japan, there's actually a bit of uneasiness, especially from the political side of the story. And do not forget over here is that uh, in Japan itself now has started to go off with a higher cost of living. And that uh, oil prices also starts to actually uh, creep into the pockets of Japanese consumers. So that is actually one of the uh, political, uh, we call it, uh, campaign that the current government that wants to actually bang on to actually negate this uh, current higher cost of living in Japan. So there's a lot of uh, government officials, especially uh, the cabinet ministers, uh, the chief ministers now, and as well as several officers from the Ministry of Finance. They are actually warning uh, FX speculators that are actually watching the level of the dollar yen, especially as it approaches uh, to the 148, 149 figure level. So what we'll see over here is that actually some government officials that do not actually desire this level of yen uh, weakness. So, but uh, on the other hand over here is that I believe that BOJ Yuda over here is that he, he may also be uh, facing this political uh, pressure going forward as we head towards next year, especially when inflationary data in Japan that was out last Friday as well that showing uh, sticky elevated inflation. Mm, I mean, you have seen the dollar-yen help firm at its 10-month high. I'd just like yes. to move, you know, from the currency here, you know, what mm. what do you think is the impact for Singapore investors? I mean, you yes. see inflows into Japan now total about $3 billion. You 
have um, Singapore's GIC, which recently bought six warehouses yes. in Japan from Blackstone for $800 million. You have also other investors, including Goldman Sachs, uh, KKR and Blackstone, also you know buying out um, hotels in Japan. Now, what do you think are the implications for the BOJ's decision on investors here moving into Japanese assets? Okay, so for sure, if you look at the current situation right now, Japanese uh, longer-term interest rate is actually picking up. So if you look at the perspective of the yield curve, so in fact, the yield curve right now in Japan is not facing a yield curve inversion like most of the G10 or G20 countries facing, especially the U.S. So if you look at the spread between the uh, 10-year JGP over the two years, actually uh, steepening pretty uh, steeply. So that actually will benefit the Japanese banking uh, stocks so you look at the topics uh, banking sector itself is actually one of the uh, top performer in the last uh, one month or so. So now going forward over here is that, uh, yes, we do understand that there's actually a couple of very strong interest in Japanese property market, especially for, I think there's a report uh, out on last, over the weekend, that's saying that Singapore property investors is forming the bulk of the uh, inflow in the Japanese property market due to the fact of a lower interest cost of, of borrowing in Japan. But uh, that could be a bit of tricky in the situation going forward because if you look at right now, yes, there is a control, uh, we call it the 10-year JGDL is being controlled by this uh, flexible year curve control program. That means, i.e., uh, there's a, a hard cap right now that's being revised up from 0.5% to uh, 1%. So that was after the 28th of July BOJ meeting, the previous meeting. But if you look at the longer-term interest rate in Japan, taking into account the 30-year JGB bond year, so that actually has a more free reign of uh, movement uh, away from this flexible JGB uh, year curve control program. In fact, the 30-year JGB from the start of uh, the previous ex-post 28th of July BOJ meeting has actually raised rose at a faster pace uh, than the 10-year JGB. So they actually rose uh, by around 27 basis points versus the 10-year JGB uh, that rose uh, 18 basis points uh, during the same period from 28th of July up to last Friday. So what you could see over here is that uh, I do reckon that interest rate cost, especially on the longer tenure in Japan, has started to inch up much higher. Mm. That kind of uh, reflect more reality in the Japanese uh, fundamental uh, uh, inflation storage. Mm. We have been speaking with Kelvin Wong, Senior Market Analyst of OENDA. Thank you so much for your insights, Kelvin. Sure, Hope to pleasure. see you again. Yeah, my pleasure. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.